Sermon 6 of The Sermons Upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. For this cause, I also, having heard of the faith which ye have in Jesus Christ, and of the love which you have towards all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, should give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation to have knowledge of him, that is to wit, to have the eyes of your mind enlightened, that you might understand what the hope is which he ought to have of his calling, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance among the saints. We have seen already how St. Paul brought the Ephesians not only to the chief, but also to the only cause of their salvation, and showed that they must of necessity father all the whole upon God, without mingling of any foolish presumption therewithal, as who should say that they themselves had furthered God's grace which they had received, either by their free will or by any good intent in them. St. Paul, therefore, hath showed in effect that not only the Ephesians to whom he spake, but also they that had been God's church before, ought all without exception to confess that all their welfare proceeded of God's only free goodness, not only because they were all redeemed by means of our Lord Jesus Christ, but also because he had called them to the belief of the gospel, according to his choosing of them before the creating of the world. And now he warranteth all the said doctrine by the record which it yieldeth unto God, in that it doth even then magnify his goodness, when he is, as it were, separated from man's eye and from the sight of all witnesses. Truly the doctrine of the gospel ought not to be the less esteemed when it is preached and published in the open face of the whole world, but yet it behoveth him that speaketh it to have it thoroughly printed in his heart, and to say the same thing in himself before God and his angels, which he speaketh before men, for otherwise it were but a jangling, or rather an unhallowing of God's word. If a man should step up into the pulpit to talk like an angel, and in the meanwhile have no such meaning in his heart, nor be persuaded of the thing that he speaketh, it were better that a man were drowned a hundred times than to bear abroad the most excellent record of salvation and of God's truth, and in the mean season not to be persuaded in himself of the thing that he preacheth, so as God and his angels might know that he hath the same thing printed in his heart. Therefore it is not without cause that after St. Paul hath preached God's free goodness in choosing whom he liked, and in calling them to the knowledge of his gospel, when he had chosen them, and in confirming them with his strong hand, and by giving them invincible constancy and steadfastness when he had called them, now he addeth that God knoweth his witnessing thereof to be in good earnest and unfeignedly. For he protesteth here concerning the prayers which he maketh alone by himself, when no man could know his thought, nor what he saith, and uttereth with his mouth that even then he avoweth the same doctrine before God, inasmuch as he prayeth him to vouchsafe to accomplish the thing that he hath begun. Here, therefore, we have to mark, first of all, that such as mind to have their labour profitable to the edifying of the church, and such as have any true zeal, must not only give themselves to teaching, but also therewithal pray God to work with them by his power and grace. For oftentimes it befalleth that we do but beat the water, Yea, though we have the tongues of angels, because we pray not God to further the doctrine that we preach. For of ourselves we be but unprofitable instruments, and when he hath given us utterance, he must also make it effectual, according as it is said, that he which planteth is nothing, and he that watereth is nothing, but it is God that giveth the increase. Seeing it is so, that such as have the charge of teaching God's church, walk fearfully and carefully, and not only endeavour to win men unto God, but also humbly acknowledge that 
they can do nothing of themselves, and that they should but cast forth a sound into the air, which would vanish away out of hand, if God wrought not with them by the secret power of his Spirit. That, therefore, is the thing that we have to remember upon the words that St. Paul speaketh here. But every of us also ought to apply it generally to his own use. Therefore, when we come to be taught God's word, or when any of us readeth it alone by himself, let us not imagine our wits to be subtle enough, that we be able enough to understand whatsoever the scripture telleth us, but let us acknowledge our own beastliness, and pray God to make his doctrine to prevail in such wise with us, as it may not slip from us. But this thing will be perceived the better by the process that St. Paul holdeth on here, if we weigh well all the words that he useth. He saith that he yieldeth thanks unto God without end or ceasing for the faith which he heard to be in the church of Ephesus, and for their love towards the saints. And yet, notwithstanding, he continueth his praying unto God that he should enlighten them more and more and bring them to the perfection which all the faithful ought to labor to attain unto, till God have taken them out of this world. Now, in that he saith that he ceaseth not to give thanks unto God, we see by his example whereabouts the faithful ought to spend their time. For in very deed the chief sacrifice that God requireth and alloweth is that we should honour him for all his benefits, and yield him his deserved praise for the same. And it is not to be thought that that can be done, as he would say, by starts or by patches, but like as God on his side ceaseth not to pour out his benefits infinitely, so also behoveth it every of us to enforce ourselves to bless and praise him without ceasing. For St. Paul speaks here unfeignedly, and when he blessed God for the Ephesians, he meant as much for all other churches. What an unkindness then were it if a man should not think at all upon the benefits that he hath received at God's hand. We are all of us bound to praise God for our neighbours. If we hear it reported that God hath prospered his church, or showed mercy to his people a hundred leagues off, and to be short, if we hear of anything that ought to make us glad, it becometh our mouths to be open to praise God for it. Now, if we be bound to do this for the good turns that we see not, but which our neighbours feel, though they be distant in far countries from us, what is to be thought of us when God filleth our mouths, as it is said in the psalm, and yet in the meanwhile we have no mind at all to yield him thanks? And we have to note further that if we be bound to praise God for our meat and drink, and for all the things that belong to this flightful life, he bindeth us to him much more without comparison when he calleth us to the heavenly heritage, and when he blesseth and enricheth us with spiritual gifts of grace, which serve to lead us far further than this world. Seeing then that God useth such bountifulness towards us, what excuse can we have if we follow not the example that is showed us here in St. Paul, which is that all our life long we must occupy ourselves continually in praising the name of God? Now, herewithal, he showeth that faith and charity are the very gifts of God, and come not of ourselves, as men do always imagine, through a devilish pride. I told you afore that St. Paul played not the hypocrite in giving thanks to God for the faith and charity of the Ephesians. If every man could believe and had faith of his own inclination, or could get it by some power of his own, the praise thereof ought not to be given unto God, for it were but a mockery to acknowledge ourselves beholden to him for that thing which we have of others than of him. But here St. Paul blesseth God's name for enlightening the Ephesians with faith, and for framing their hearts unto charity. Therefore it is to be concluded that all the whole cometh of God. The heathen men, bringing in their own free will, thought themselves beholden to God for nothing, but for their good fortune, as they termed it, for they surmised that they had all things by their own power and policy. The papists also will well grant that God's grace must be fain to help us in part, but yet, for all that, 
they will have man to be still exalted and to attain to faith by his own motion. Here St. Paul shutteth out all these devilish opinions, and showeth, as we have seen heretofore, that whensoever there is any church in the world, or any people to call upon him, which are settled and grounded upon the belief of the gospel, God deserveth to have the whole glory thereof. And why? For his hand must needs have wrought in that case, because men would never incline to any goodness if they were not guided and governed to it, yea, and even drawn to it, perforce by the Holy Ghost. For there is so great rebelliousness in us, that we not only be weak and feeble, as the papists imagine, but also utterly contrary to God, until such time as he have cleansed us. And this is the thing which he meaneth in saying by his prophet Ezekiel, that the hearts which were stony before shall be turned into fleshly hearts, namely, that he will soften them and bow them to his obedience. Furthermore, under these two words of faith and love, St. Paul hath comprehended the whole perfection of Christians. For the mark whereat the first table of the law aimeth is that we should worship one only God and hang upon him for all things, acknowledging ourselves to be so indebted unto him as we ought to flee to him alone for all refuge and endeavor to spend our whole life in his service. That is the sum of the first table of the law. The contents of the second are nothing else but that we should live together in equity and uprightness and deal in such wise with our neighbors as we should strain ourselves to help all men without hurting of any man. And we be sure that God hath set forth so good and perfect a rule of good life in his law, that nothing can be added unto it. Seeing it is so, not without cause doth St. Paul in this place set down faith in Jesus Christ and charity towards our neighbor as the sum of whole Christian conversation, showing whereunto we ought to frame ourselves and which is our rule. But herewithal we have also to mark that under this word faith he comprehendeth the whole service of God, for it is impossible that we should not be wholly ravished in love to our heavenly Father, being once acquainted with his goodness, as he hath showed it us in the person of his only Son. Behold, God draweth us out of the dungeon of confusion and death, and openeth us the gate of the heavenly kingdom, and telleth us that he will take us for his children. Now can we hear and believe this, but that we shall be wholly given over unto him, forsaking the world and hating the evil that is in ourselves, because it separateth us from him. Ye see then how the word faith importeth a full yielding over of ourselves wholly unto God. Again, faith is not an idle thing. It importeth that we should resort unto God, and that whensoever we be stained with any blot, we should pray him to redress it. For there is not any necessity in the world which is not as a dash with a spur, which God giveth us to make us come unto him. Faith, therefore, importeth prayer and supplication. It importeth, moreover, that it cannot be, but we must hallow the name of God by resting ourselves upon him, and by yielding him the whole glory that belongeth to him, when we know that he giveth us all things of his own free goodness, looking for nothing at our hands but only the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Thus ye see how faith importeth all that is contained in the first table of the law. True it is that the part is put for the whole, howbeit it is to be considered that the things which we have spoken of cannot be put asunder. Now then it standeth us on hand to live uprightly and indifferently with our neighbours, as it is said in the sixteenth psalm, that we be beholden to God for all things, and that we cannot yield him any recompense again, and that when we have strained ourselves to the uttermost to bestow aught upon him, all that we can do is neither here nor there to him. What requireth he then? that we should be given to doing of good to his poor faithful ones, according as St. Paul also nameth the saints expressly in this text. 
True it is that we ought to use charity towards all men without exception, for we cannot be the children of God, who maketh his sun to shine both upon good and bad, except we love our enemies, and strain ourselves to succour and help them. That therefore is the mark that we must aim at. Yet notwithstanding, this hindereth us not to love all God's children with a brotherly love, because they be knit unto us with a straighter bond. That is the cause why it is said as well in my foralleged text of the sixteenth psalm, as in this present one of St. Paul, that we must have love towards all the faithful. Yea, and St. Paul himself in another place doth well discuss the doubt that may be cast in this behalf, for he willeth us to have charity to all men in general, and chiefly to such as are of the household of faith. God, then, will have us to become like himself, and to follow his example in doing good to all men, yea, even to such as are not worthy of it, insomuch that we should, to the uttermost of our power, procure the welfare of those which seek nothing else but to pick out our eyes. Moreover, forasmuch as he hath set his mark upon all the faithful, and commended them unto us, he will have us to bear a certain special brotherly love towards them. For God's gifts are to be esteemed wheresoever they be seen, according to the fifteenth psalm, where it is said that we must love such as fear God, and abhor such as are wicked. Then if we see the tokens that God hath put into his faithful, whereby he cometh near them, is it not meet that we also on our side should be stirred up to love them? To be short, we see that St. Paul hath comprised here the whole rule of good and holy conversation, that is to wit that first of all we must give over ourselves wholly to our God, to stick steadfastly unto him, and secondly live evenly and uprightly with our neighbours, abstaining from all evil doing and endeavouring to do good to all men according to our power and ability. And how may that come to pass? Even by knowing our Heavenly Father, and by acknowledging the infinite good turns which he hath done us, and whereof he vouchsafeth to make us partakers daily, so as all our whole life depends upon him, and he only be the party at whose hand we look for everlasting salvation, by calling upon him, and by yielding him thanks all our life long. Let that serve for the first point. Again, as touching the second, it is not possible for us to love our neighbours, but we must also live soberly without showing any evil example, and look in such wise to our behaviour as no man may have cause to complain of us. For what charity is there in a whoremonger that goes about to dishonest another man's wife, or in a thief that seeks to steal another man's goods? Again, seeing that our life ought to be guided with all honesty, whensoever any man bursteth out into drunkenness, blasphemy, or such other things, it cannot be, but that in so doing there must be some trouble of poor folk, some robbing them of their goods, or some starting out into all manner of extortions and excesses. So then, if we have charity and love towards our neighbour, we shall live a sound and upright life with them, and we shall rule it in such wise that we shall not busy ourselves about vain fancies as the papists do, for they take great pains in their ceremonies, and they call it God's service to babble much, and to gad here and there on pilgrimage, and to do this and that, and in the meanwhile they do but plunder away in their own imaginations, and that is only for want of knowing whereunto God calleth them. To the end, therefore, that we take not labour in vain, let us mark what God alloweth, and let us hold us to that. For we cannot miss if we abide continually in the way, as he showeth it us by his word, especially since he showeth us in so small room what is requisite to the leading of such a life as becometh us.
for were the volumes long and without end, we would excuse ourselves that we were no great clerks, and that we could not bear away so many things. But now, seeing that our Lord uttereth his whole demands in two or three words, we must needs grant that if we bear not away so short and easy a lesson, we be too peevish and froward, and flop out our ears even willfully, lest we might hear what he saith unto us. Finally, it is to be noted upon this word faith that St. Paul doth not without cause say the faith in Jesus Christ, for that is the thing which we must look at. The fathers of old time had always the image of God before their eyes, for they might not make sacrifice but before his mercy seat. They might not hope that God heard them, or was merciful to them by any other means. They then had the visible image of the Ark of the Covenant, but we have now Jesus Christ, the image of God, which was invisible of himself, for not without cause doth St. Paul say that God is incomprehensible till he manifest himself in the person of his Son. Therefore, since we have Jesus Christ, who is the express image of God, it behoveth us to look thither. And here ye see also why it is said that he is the express image of the power of God his Father. For although the persons be distinct, yet doth he represent unto us the things that are belonging and requisite to our salvation, so that in knowing the Son we know the Father also, as saith St. John. And he that hath not the Son renounceth the Father. What protestation soever he make of going to him. So then, whereas it is said here that we must believe in Jesus Christ, let us bethink us of the warning which he giveth to his disciples. Believe ye in God, saith he, believe ye also in me. There he showeth that the ancient fathers which lived under the law had but a dark teaching until the time that he was manifested to the world. True it is that they worshipped the living God, yea, and that they had none access unto him but by means of the mediator, Howbeit that was but under shadows and figures, neither had they any such light as we have nowadays under the gospel. And for that cause also told I you that he is called the image of God, who is of his own nature invisible, so as we could not know him unless he uttered himself by such means. To be short, let us mark that we do nothing else but wander till we have our faith settled in Jesus Christ and this will be the better perceived by the errors wherewith the world hath been imbrued unto this day for the papists will protest well enough that they believe in god as much do the turks and the jews also true it is that the papists and jews seem to come nearer the truth for the jews protest that they worship the living god even the same god that gave them his law by moses but what for that in the meanwhile they reject christ who is the end and substance of the law as for the papists though they profess christianity and avow jesus christ to be their saviour yet is it apparent that they make war against him forasmuch as they have set up serving of god after their own liking so as there is nothing but disorder in all their doings as touching the turks they can well enough say almighty god the maker of heaven and earth but shall we think that god will renounce himself or unsay that which he hath said, which is that no man can come unto him but by his well-beloved Son, whom he hath ordained to be the mediator between him and men. Again we see how the papists will well enough say that they believe in God, but yet therewithal they will needs have patrons and advocates to bring them to his presence. Again it is not enough for them that they be brought with the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. They must also put their own merits and ransom themselves by their own satisfactions, and when we have offended God, we must have such means and such 
Then, if a man lists to examine the papists' belief, surely he shall find that they believe their own dreams, and that all that ever they do is but a confused maze. For with Jesus Christ they mingle whatsoever cometh in their own head, whereas we know that he ought to continue whole alone by himself. We see, then, how St. Paul leadeth us to the true trial of our faith, which is by resting upon Jesus Christ, so that we feel ourselves utterly void of all goodness, and that we must draw from out of his fullness to be filled with all good things, or else woe will be unto us. For if we had all the angels in heaven on our side, if it were possible, yet it is certain that all should go to wreck if we have not the said head, as St. Paul saith in the first and second chapters of the epistle to the Colossians. And so you see what we have to gather upon that sentence. Now, after St. Paul hath said that he thanketh God for the things that he saw already in the church of Ephesus, he addeth that he prayeth to him also. This is to show us that when we see God bestow his excellent gifts upon his children, we had need to beseech him to continue and go forward with the same, and that for two causes. For he that standeth may happen to fall, and again, God had need to increase his grace more and more. For even they that are the perfectest shall have cause to be ashamed if they look well into their own wants. Ye see then, that the thing whereto St. Paul bringeth us is that when we praise God for the gifts which he hath bestowed upon his chosen children, we ought to match prayer also with our thanksgiving. And why? For it is in him only to bring to pass the thing that he hath begun. And it behoveth us to lay always this ground, Lord, thou wilt not leave the work of thine own hands half undone. And the same thing which we ought to do for others is also requisite for ourselves. To be short, we be here warned to magnify God in such wise for his goodness and gifts, which we have felt already, as we must perceive that there is still much default in us, and that it standeth us on hand that he should give us perseverance to the end and moreover that he should correct our vices and augment his grace in us, till we become to full perfection, which thing will never be till we be rid of this mortal body. Yet notwithstanding, we see how Satan doth nowadays possess such as surmise a hellish perfection, and make but the three first petitions to their father, saying that it is enough to pray God that his name be hallowed, that his kingdom come, and that his will be done, and so they cut off all the rest of the prayer which our Lord Jesus hath left us. And for that matter, I have the signing of their own hands, which their disciples know, whereby those devils show that they must needs be utterly without wit, seeing they be carried away so far as to refuse to yield God this glory, that even now we be yet still overloaden with the burden of our infirmities, held down with the store of corruptions, and hemmed in with abundance of vices, and that God must be fain to cleanse us of them more and more, yea, even from day to day, until he have brought us to the perfection whereunto he calleth us. And it standeth us so much the more on hand to mark this doctrine well, because the papists are not so far overshot in the errors of their superstitions and idolatries as these varlets are, which do nowadays sow abroad their poisons in their privy meetings and lurking holes. But howsoever they fare, let us mark well what is showed us here by the Holy Ghost when St. Paul saith that he prayeth God. And why? I have told you already that the Ephesians had profited, and that the gifts of God and of his Holy Spirit were augmented in them. He hath showed that. Now, to knit up the matter, he saith further that he prayeth God to give them that which they have not, and which they want as yet. 
since it is so, let us mark that the more we have profited, the more cause have we to humble ourselves, and with all mildness to beseech God to finish the thing that he hath begun, and to increase his gifts in us, till we need no more to go any further, which shall be at the meeting, whereof we shall speak more in the fourth chapter. But yet we must mark well the words that St. Paul useth, for he saith, The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, or the glorious Father, for the speech Father of glory is put in the Hebrew tongue for glorious Father, give you the spiritual revelation to have knowledge of him. Now when St. Paul sendeth us here to Jesus Christ, saying that the God whom he calleth upon is the same which is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, yea, and his Father too, it is to show the trust that he had to be heard, and that the Ephesians should take heart to follow the same fashion and rule of praying, and that when they have any occasion to resort unto God, they should hold the same way that he did, and keep by the straight line of coming to our Lord Jesus Christ. But now if a man demand how God is above our Lord Jesus Christ, the question is easy to be resolved, if we have an eye to the person of the Mediator, which is abased in our stead and degree, to be the means between God and us. True it is that Jesus Christ is all one with his Father, and when we speak of the living God, it behoveth us to acknowledge that the whole fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him. Therefore we must not separate our Lord Jesus Christ as though he were a new God, and some other than the same that was showed to the fathers from the beginning, as some devils say nowadays, which have stirred up that stinking villainy and abomination. But it is the self-same only one God which hath showed himself to us in the person of the Father, so we seek him in Jesus Christ. For in Jesus Christ we have to consider the office of the Mediator, in that he so abased himself, not that he forwent any wit of his majesty, nor that he was any wit abridged or diminished of his eternal glory. There was no such thing at all. But as in respect of us he was abased, yea, and utterly emptied. And we must not be ashamed to say that Jesus Christ was abased, seeing it is said that he was emptied. For that is the very word that St. Paul useth to the Philippians. Therefore, when we speak of Jesus Christ as he is joined to us, to the end to bring us to his Father, so is he under God his Father, namely in respect that he hath taken our nature upon him, and is become our fellow. And that also is the cause why he said to his disciples, as St. John reporteth in his twentieth chapter, Go ye to my brethren, and tell them, I go to my God and your God, to my Father and your Father. Lo, how Jesus Christ joineth himself in such wise with his faithful ones, that he saith he will have one selfsame God with them. Yea, verily, but in what sort? For is he not God himself? Yes, howbeit forasmuch as he is clothed with our flesh, and inasmuch as he vouchsafed to be made flesh, to the end that we might be members of his body, that is the cause why he hath one God with us. And that is the cause also why the apostle applieth this text of Isaiah to his person, Lo, here am I with the servants which thou hast given me. So as Jesus Christ cometh there as a captain that presenteth himself before his king and prince, saying, Lo, here I am with the company of children which thou hast given me. Howsoever the case stand, we see that Jesus Christ draweth us to God his Father, to the end we should repair to him with full trust, and he receive us. For otherwise, who is he that durst be so bold as to hide himself that his request should be heard? What grace could we obtain if the gate were not opened us by Jesus Christ, and that he perform not the thing that he hath spoken, namely, that he is the way? 
albeit to the intent we might the better know what need we have to be guided by our Lord Jesus Christ. St. Paul setteth here before us the infinite glory of God. How dare we then be so bold as to offer ourselves into God's sight, but for that we have an advocate which maketh us a way in thither? For if the sun do dazzle men's eyes, and the heat of it singe us, though we be very far off from it, what will become of us when we will press unto God? For what else is the sun than a little power which he hath breathed into it? And must we not needs be, as it were, swallowed up, when we press to the incomparable majesty that is in God? Yet notwithstanding, if we have Jesus Christ, we have to understand that God is not only the Father of glory, but also the Father of mercy, and that he looketh with pity upon such as are most miserable, and are had in reproach and disdain of the world. Lo, whereupon we ought to rest in praying unto God. St. Paul prayeth God here expressly to give the Ephesians the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It is certain that God had already revealed to them the truth of his gospel, as it is seen, and verily we could not have one spark of faith or of light, except God had wrought in us already, according as it is said to Peter in the sixteenth chapter of St. Matthew, Flesh and blood hath not opened these things unto thee, but my heavenly Father which is in heaven. And yet for all this Peter showeth afterward, that he knew not any whit of Christ's spiritual kingdom. Then, although he were but as a silly novice, sat with his ABC, yet is it witnessed of him, that the small taste of the gospel which he had was a gift from heaven. Hereby we see how God must be fain to increase his gifts more and more in us, and in that respect is our life termed away, because we must always go on forwards till our race be ended. And whosoever imagineth any perfection in this world is possessed of Satan, and utterly renounceth God's grace. Yet notwithstanding, let us not surmise that God changeth his purpose, for he is not variable, or suffereth his grace to be chopped out in gobbets and cantles at men's pleasures. But he hath appointed this order, that we should grow from day to day, and yet therewithal learn to acknowledge soberly our wants, and to groan for them, and to mislike of them, and to hold ourselves always in awe. Ye see then that these two things agree very well, namely, that the Ephesians had already received the spirit of revelation, and yet that they needed to have it given them of God. For although there be but one spirit, yet are the gifts diverse, and they be distributed to every of us in measure, and as it pleaseth him to give them. There is none but Jesus Christ which hath received them fully. He only is the fountain that can never be drained dry. It is he upon whom God's spirit resteth, to the end that we should all of us be made partakers of it. And for our own parts, let us acknowledge that the wisest of us have need to be always scholars, and to learn still even to our dying day. Howbeit, by the way, let us mark that this word revelation condemneth us of all blindness. For we have our eyes open to discern between white and black. We see the sun and the moon, we see these worldly things, and are able to judge of them. We need no new revelation for that gear, for we have it of nature. True it is that our eyes are instruments of God's power and goodness, whereby he maketh us to enjoy the light, but that is a common thing. But here St. Paul showeth us that we be blind, and that we conceive not any whit of God's spiritual grace, except he open our eyes, and take away the kerchief or veil that is before them, yea, and give us a new sight, which we have not. For we have our eyes worse than stopped, until he enlighten them by his Holy Spirit. Thus ye see what we have to bear in mind, and that is the thing which he proceedeth still withal. Namely, saith he, to have the eyes of your understanding enlightened. 
but a man might reply, if we have the spirit of revelation already, why have we need of it? Verily, as who should say, you saw nothing at all. True it is that you see partly, but you have your eyes still too much dimmed. And this may be said generally of all men, according as it is said, that in this world we see things but dully, and as it were, through a glass, till we be able to behold God in his heavenly glory, at which time we shall be fashioned like unto him. Again, to the intent that men should not allege and say, Must God then reveal things in such wise unto us, as if we were in such taking that we could see nothing at all? And shall a man be as a brute beast without discretion or judgment? To answer hereunto, it is true that we have some wit, but yet are we blind for all that because we be corrupted by sin. God, therefore, must be fain to give us new eyes, as I said afore. And he addeth the word wisdom, the better to beat down the fond overweening that men conceive in themselves, when they will needs fly without wings to come unto God. For there is not that man which would not be wise. If we desired true wisdom by seeking it at God's hand, it were a good and well-ruled desire. But there are two faults in us, for we will needs be wise after our own conceit. Am I not wise enough to govern myself, will a fool say? And in the meanwhile, we despise God's word, and every of us will needs have the bridle laid loose in our neck, and have leave given him to do what he thinketh good. But that is too great an overweening. The other vice is that in reading the Holy Scripture, we still imagine to come to the knowledge of the things that are contained there by our own discretion. But here, both twain of them are excluded by St. Paul. For when, as he desireth God to give his faithful ones the spirit of wisdom, he showeth that they have no discretion, no more than brute beasts, except it be by the guiding of our Lord Jesus Christ, of purpose to come to the kingdom of heaven. For even in civil matters and worldly affairs God giveth it not to any, but to such as he thinketh good. Now, if he keep his special goodness always to himself, to give discretion to whom he listeth, to guide himself withal in these base things of the world, then doth he make the unbelievers to be well sighted. And therefore, when the case concerneth the heavenly life, there is no preparation in us. And so, St. Paul presupposeth the thing which I have said already, namely that we must be taught at God's hand, to know him by the doctrine of truth through the record of the gospel. For without that, we should be like these fantastical fellows which rove under the pretense of having the revelation of God's Holy Spirit. Howbeit, that is not after the manner that St. Paul taketh the word revelation when he prayeth God to give it to his children. As, for example, when Jesus Christ speaketh of his Spirit, he doth not separate it from the doctrine that he had preached. When the Spirit cometh, saith he, he shall tell you all truth. And how is that? Had not the apostles received it already? Yes, but he addeth, He shall show you the things that you hear now of my mouth. To be short, it is the peculiar office of the Holy Ghost to teach us in such wise as the word which we hear may therewithal have his course and place, and as we may profit in the same. And thereupon St. Paul showeth also wherein lieth all our light and knowledge, namely in knowing God in the person of his only Son, that say I, is the thing wherewith we must content ourselves. For if we have ticklish wits to be inquisitive of the things that pass our capacity, let us consider a little how weak and raw our understanding is. And if our wits be so gross and heavy, how shall we do when we would fly above heaven and earth? Are we able to comprehend all that in so small a room? Yet nevertheless, we see how men take unmeasurable leave to be inquisitive of this and that, and to put forth questions in way of pleading and disputing against God. 
For this cause, St. Paul showeth us here that if we mind to be wise, it behoveth us to be sober, that is to wit, we must understand what manner a thing God and our Lord Jesus Christ is, as he himself will show anon after, that when we be once come to that point, we have so much as ought well to suffice us, and if we presume to go any further, it is but a willful overthrowing of ourselves. St. Paul, then, will show that more at length hereafter, but it ought to suffice us that, as well in this text as in all the whole Holy Scripture, we ought to learn which is the God whom we ought to serve, what is his will, how we may have our trust in him, what entrance we may have to pray to him, and to fly to him for succour at all times. That is the thing whereunto we must employ ourselves. But that cannot be done unless all that ever we have need of, and is available to our welfare, be to be had in Jesus Christ, in whom God hath manifested himself. For in itself the majesty of God is too high a thing, and we should be undone a hundred times before we could come near him, if it were not that he has come down unto us. But if we once have Jesus Christ, there we have a lively image of him, wherein we may behold whatsoever is requisite for our salvation. For there we understand that God is our Father, and that we be cleansed from all our sins to be transformed into the glory of God. There we see how God accepteth us for righteous, and that we have been reconciled to God again. There we perceive how he hath ransomed us, and that we shall never be left destitute of the grace of his Holy Spirit, till he hath brought us to the joying of our inheritance. Thus do we know all these things in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the cause also why St. Paul saith in another place that he desired not to know any other thing than Jesus Christ, and that it is he only of whom he intended to boast. According whereunto we have seen heretofore how he forsook all things to abide under the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that although the same hath to the worldward nothing but shame and reproach, yet he protesteth that he had given over all that he had esteemed afore, and that he esteemed them but as hindrance and loss, yea, and as filth and dung to the intent to cleave to our Lord Jesus Christ, and to show that such as are possessed with the fond opinion of their own deservings do separate themselves from our Lord Jesus Christ, and that if we will be knit unto him we must give over all that we imagine ourselves to have of our own, and offer ourselves unto him void of all goodness to be filled at his hand. And here ye see also why St. Paul saith, that he had lever come to the haven of salvation, poor and stark naked, than to live in the midst of the sea, and to be there swallowed up. For although he were taken for an holy man, and as half an angel, yet he made no reckoning of all that, so as he might be partaker of the remission of sins that was given him in Jesus Christ, and of the grace which he hath communicated to all his members. Therefore let us learn to magnify God's grace in such wise, as we may utterly forget all the toys wherewith the devil deceiveth the unbelievers, by puffing them up with, I wot not what, manner of pride, and come utterly empty to our Lord Jesus Christ, to beg his grace. For we cannot receive one drop of it, but by confessing ourselves to be utterly unworthy of it. And now let us fall down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgement of our faults, praying him to make us perceive them more and more, and that the same may so humble us, as we may be established in his grace, and labour to come nearer and nearer unto him, that being beaten down in ourselves we may be raised up by him through his mere mercy, and depending altogether upon him, resort unto him as to our Father, and continue in so doing till he have taken us out of the prison of sin, and joined us perfectly to himself. 
that it may please him to grant this grace not only to us, but also to all people, etc. End of Sermon 6